The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on the journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of The Game is the Game. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and thank you for joining me once again for another riveting episode. First things first, I just want to say thank you to all those that have uh, sent in any kind of messages, feedback, well wishes um, for that first episode that we recorded with Musa Konga. If you're listening to this and you haven't yet listen to the first episode of The Game is a Game, please do go back and listen to that after this second episode. I've also got some admin to to, to let you all know. Uh, since dropping that first episode, I realized I better create a Twitter account for, for this podcast. So you can now find this podcast specifically at Game is Game Pod. So if you're somebody who uses the Twitter handles, you can find this podcast at Game is Game Pod. And I'll try to use that going forward as the main way to, to to kind of let you know about all the updates around this particular podcast. But that notwithstanding, we do have a special second episode. Um, having done episode one, the one with the author, I said, what can we do next to follow up the episode with the author? And this one, ladies and gentlemen, is called The One with the Head Teacher. I am honoured, I am honoured to introduce to you all a very good friend of mine, somebody who I started out the teaching game with way back when. It is my good friend, Mr. Moomin Humayun, head teacher at Stockwood Park Academy. Moomin, how you doing? Welcome. Well, thank you, Mash, for, for inviting me on. And as you're introducing me as the head teacher, I'm looking around thinking, where's the head teacher? Where's the head teacher? Um, and <laughs> sometimes I pinch myself and think, actually, that's, that's me, isn't it? That's, that's what I do for a living. Well, it's, it's just as well you started like that, because what I, what I always try to do at the beginning of these episodes is I've introduced you. So I said, oh, Moomin Hermione, head teacher. OK, fantastic. But when you speak to people and you, you kind of have meaningful, in-depth conversations with them, we can get into this trap of thinking that we define who that person is. And in some senses, maybe we do because it's how I see you. But if someone said to you, as I'm saying to you right now, who is Moomin Hermione? And I guess we're talking more so professional and career-wise, but what would you actually say to that question if on stage? See, often I, I should I should actually open up and say, actually, yeah, I, I lead the school, I'm, I'm ahead. But often what I say is that I work with um, I work with young people. I you know I'm a teacher, so at heart I always introduce myself as a teacher, someone who's who you know, loves working with young people. But I think um, if I'm honest with myself, I you know, and people have said to me, look, you, you're not just a teacher, you're leading a school, a, a large organisation. I think if you think along those lines, it can be overwhelming. So I think just for me to kind of regulate and manage myself, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, feet on the ground, really important job. I teach and I make sure that, you know, I, I, I help... So the analogy I draw is um, think of a, a, somebody who, who holds a thermometer and for, for something to work properly, you need uh, the room to be at the right temperature. And, and I'm the person who kind of controls that. So as long as there's a, a constant temperature because if things are too hot, 
things don't work as they need to and if things are too cold as we'll find out in winter no doubt things don't work quite quite the way we we want to but if the temperature is kept at the right amount so whether you're cooking whether you're running a car whether you're running a, an organization like a school if the temperature is at the right amount then things run smoothly where teachers feel empowered to deliver good lessons kids are coming in happy safe and secure parents um, feel connected um, feel involved and yeah, students um, achieve what what they're you know hopefully destined to achieve that's a very humble way of describing what you're doing maybe both of us are a bit blinkered here because we're both involved in the the education profession obviously um you're you're a principal i'm on a school leadership team in an in in a separate school to yours but I've, i suspect moomin for those who listen to this um episode and not just the people listen to this who are involved in the education profession as well but those from outside in particular i think they would probably place a head teacher's role as far more significant than we probably do in the sphere of because we're, we're we're too close to the to the coal face yeah so the, the, the day-to-day minutiae of going in and dealing with the young people dealing with the parents dealing with all the different stakeholders we probably don't get time to really stop and appreciate if that's the word the importance of the role yeah and i i, I think well now talking to you now i'm out out of school and when you're in in the game you're it's all consuming like it's 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 running a treadmill at you know the fastest speed you can think of and so much is happening at any given time that you don't always have the time to take a step back and reflect whereas now you know in in the midst of of, of summer i've had a, a short break and you know this allow you know affords me that time to think and you and you're right you know we talk about the ethos of a school, the values of a school, very much so that as as the the head of that school, I want to embody the the values that um, I'm trying to instill, and then the virtues. So you know, we, I talk about aspiration, optimism, hard work, resilience, honesty, kindness, and you know, teachers, parents, students are, are looking at you know how those things are modelled, and I'm, I'm I'm there to kind of model those those habits, but also kind of accepting the fact I'm a fallible human being but that th- there are eyes on me at all times but again if I think about the eyes on me then again that that then affects how I operate so I've got to kind of switch that off and and often go back to you know doing the best I can do with the resources I have because if, if you stop and think so I know the, the school that I'm the head at we've got 1,450 know, uh, young people uh, students in terms of adults in the building, probably you know 180. Now that's 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 a lot of people, and I'm mm. you know ultimately I'm, I'm the one who's responsible for for this ship. Um, and, and and if I start thinking too much about that, it, it becomes overwhelming. So what I then do is take a step back and think. Actually, I've got an amazing team that I lead. So it's not just about me. It's about leading a team of people. Um, and if everybody does what what it says on the tin will we'll, we'll continue to move forward yeah most definitely and i think that the aim of this podcast the game is the game is about looking at people in different professions obviously so yourself as a head teacher and looking at the journey looking at the journey and, and more so looking at 
the kind of difficulties you've had in that journey, not because you're somebody more special than anybody else, but by looking at different careers and kind of looking at the difficulties that people have to come, overcome, I should say, to to get to where they get to in those careers. There's a lesson in that, not just for those within the education field, but I guess a lesson and an inspiration for those in any kind of sphere. And that's ultimately why I wanted to get you on, because I qualified to be a teacher in uh, 2004, kind of slowly giving away my age here but I qualified to be a teacher <laughs> in 2004 and you and I worked in the my first school you and I worked in that school together you had already been there I think two years maybe before me mm-hmm. when I turned up and we worked together for the first two to three years of my career and I was thinking back thinking back to those days which is probably the most fun I've ever had in my life in my teaching profession Uh, (laughs) but uh, I was thinking back to those days and I was trying to remember how early on it became clear that you were going to be a head teacher or that you that was your pathway and I was trying to remember if you told me and I think you probably did very early on that you wanted to and I don't want to use the phrase, but I'm using it, climb to the top of the ladder. That makes it sound like it's some kind of yeah, nefarious. I, yeah, nefarious I would never have used that. I'm telling you that's... <laughs> that's my phrase. That doesn't sound like phrase. me at all. Um, <laughs> no, like, I, I think about that. And I, I, I remember like I remember the, the interview when I applied for that job in, in 2000. And I think it was 2001, 2002. And I, um, it was myself and there was another person. So I went for this interview and I hadn't, I hadn't applied for any jobs, but um, one of the lecturers on my course said, oh, there's a school in uh, West London, you know, probably up your street, apply for it. So I applied for it and I went for the interview. And I really like enjoyed being in this environment. And as I'm on the Piketty line on the way back, I get a call um, and the call saying, oh, you know, you know, we'd like to offer you the post. And I was like, wow, this is, yeah, really good. I you know, really want to, this, you know, it's great. I've never been offered a job like this before. Anyway, I go in during the summer um, to pick, to sign some papers and the head teacher at the time said to me, it's a line, certain lines in my life. I, I, I remember she said, you know, you, you're going to be a real role model to these kids. And I just mm. burst out laughing, you know, whether it's nervous laughter or just genuine. I thought, I, I don't know what you mean by role model. I'm just here. You know, I've just got a job, but you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hear here to have a laugh, as in I want to enjoy teaching, but I'm not being a role model to anyone. Like I'm not, you know, I'm still a kid myself. Um, and I, I look back, and I, it makes sense to me now what what the the head at the time meant, but at the time I didn't get what that meant. I didn't I didn't get what being a role model meant um, because I didn't recognize myself. Like I, I wasn't looking in the mirror and seeing a a, a kind of an Asian, a Bangladeshi young teacher. I was just, I was just seeing myself. I didn't recognize the the way that people see me now is very different to how I saw myself and even how, you know, other people saw me back then. Um, so mm. things have changed a great deal. And, and just that journey to getting there, just to put some context in, you've got to, you know, I, I got, I, I think my parents arrived through the 19 kind of seventies, late seventies, both you know from Bangladesh dad opens up you know a restaurant with his dad so you know all the Indian restaurants that you've got in the UK you know 90 percent of them are actually run by you know Bangladeshi um, uh, kind of families and 
they, they, they weren't educated. So, you know, my mum my and dad both were illiterate in the sense that the, the, the version of Bangladeshi Sileti dialect they speak, there isn't a written form. And mm. the expectation was, and we growing up, we, I grew up in, in kind of Rainers Lane, Harrow. Now, Harrow at the moment is very, you know, very diverse, you know, lots of Asians. But when, when we were growing up, I can tell you it wasn't particularly diverse. And my mum and dad made a, a conscious decision to, for us to, to grow up in, in that area. And the expectation for, I guess, a lot of my um, cousins and kind of family members is that I would, you know, go into the restaurant business or go to a taxi driving business. And my mum was really passionate about wanting me to, to do well in school, even though she couldn't read or write, but she just knew that um, education would open doors, would um, afford me um, choices and life chances that maybe she didn't get. Um, and, and her story is slightly different because growing up in Bangladesh, she didn't have an education full stop. So I think, you know, it's the role of the, the immigrant parent wanting to do the very best to give their child the best start in life and, 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 and make sure they make use of all the opportunities. Um, but there was never any pressure. Like there was never, never any pressure. I wasn't, you know, my parents weren't checking my homework. You know, I was staying up until 12 o'clock playing you know, video games. Um, there wasn't any pressure, but the the, the one uh, expectation was that we would go to school and, and the hope that we would, you know, make something um, of ourselves. And when I say make something of ourselves is, is making choices for ourselves about what we wanted to do with our lives as opposed to what happens with many kind of migrant families is actually life chooses for you. So the, the mm. life that you lead is it, it's a um, you know, result of kind of life chances that have been dropped in your lap as opposed to you making those choices um, yourself. And I, and I guess that's a running theme is about not um, understanding that we, I may not control life circumstances, but, you know, I, I want to be the author of, 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 of my life. Therefore, I will be responsible for the choices I make. And I'm grateful for my parents giving me that, you know, because there are, there are lots of things that we're not in control of. However, there are things that we are in control of. And that, that's something that stuck with me from a very young age. Would you say that <laughs> it's such a cliched question, um, but I think I have to answer it. Did you choose teaching willingly or did teaching such did teaching choose you? I, I I get exactly, and I know it's a cliche saying, but but I think there's there's a there's a reason why we have cliches. There's a lot of truth in in in, in what you're saying. I I had no real wish to go into teaching. So after I finished my degree, um, I uh, completed the masters, and I wanted to to work with um, young people. And I think one thing I did want to do is to, to do something with my life that involved helping others or, or giving back to society. And that was instilled from a young age by, by my mum. So it, it was very much whatever you do with your life, make sure you're making a difference. So whatever you're doing, make sure you're making a difference. So I didn't get funding for a, for a PhD and I was working in a pizza factory for a year thinking you know, what am I going to do with my life um, because I haven't got the funding for the PhD and I was working in a in a pizza factory and this PGC PGC course came up and I thought oh you know seems interesting 
let's let's mm. go for it and i went for it and it's successful and very early on doing it i was like bloody hell this is this is something that i love doing and i'm getting paid to do it and that that's that's got there's, there's a beauty in that isn't there when you're paid to do something you genuinely enjoy doing i love working with you know, love being in a classroom i love teaching um i've got amazing colleagues yes it's pressure it's it's stressful um but i enjoy this i really enjoy this i i, I wake up every morning thinking i, I want to go into work like I, I like doing what i'm doing for a living just for clarity just for those listening to this because not everyone's going to know our terminology so pgce stands for postgraduate certificate of education just just, just <laughs> disclaimer for those who don't know what, what that means um so yeah moving we start our journey let's say roughly around the same time i'll give you a two-year head start but we started roughly around the same time and again in, in making notes for this episode i'm gonna i'm gonna read verbatim what i wrote on my sheet to you i put down early days of teaching wasn't as much admin, wasn't as many fads, you could just teach. Am I imagining that? Or or, or was teaching in the, those, are, and by early days, I mean the early 2000s, because the game's different now. The, 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 the yeah. 2022 game is much different compared to the, the early 2000s game that we got involved in. Yeah. But, but I, I liken it to... <laughs> And it's no disrespect to to people that you know. Yeah, listen, I was teaching twenty years ago, but I'm, I'm trying to be objective about looking back. And there were lots of good times, uh, um, and I, you know, I, I felt we were, and many of the young people that we we taught um, are doing amazing things now, um, wonderful things now. But I'd say there's a level of professionalism now that I do mm. see where actually, um, and I know. Um, some listeners even you mash might disagree about the the kind of the research focus i think much of what we do now is is geared more on a level of research and, and evidence and i'm not saying that everything we need, we do in life needs to be grounded in you know hard evidence but i think um i can remember a lot of time being wasted on on fads and um techniques and strategies that even looking back now, I, it is absolute hokum. Like, is you know, might as well got some tarot cards out and uh, make things up um, on the spot. So I think it, it seemed a little bit more carefree. But I think at the heart of what we did back then, which is still what we do now, is you know the importance of those effective relationships that we we build with um, our colleagues, with with students, with parents to to try and get the best out. Um, I think at the moment there's a lot of talk as there always is about kind of behavior 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 um mm. but i think back then I, I i try not to romanticize um the early days but i it was more carefree but i also thought we we worked bloody hard like we we, yeah. we worked bloody hard um and it was a it was a tough gig and teaching has always been a tough gig like it's not um it's not easy standing in front of you know 30 students four or five times a day for an hour at a time, um, kind of delivering, questioning, organizing, planning, marking. Um, and it also took a lot of time outside um, school hours. So the teaching game has always been a tough gig. I think the difference mm. now is there's so many other pressures that we didn't have back then. Um, I think 
yeah, it, 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 it's a different game, but the, the, the game has always been a tough gig. You, I think by the time you left our first school, you were, I think you were head of department. Well, yeah, so I, 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 yeah, you were head of department. So, so within those, oh, um, yeah. the first school that, or you know, at, at the first school, I remember after my first year, there was a kind of internal promotion that came up um, for like student voice, um, student leadership role, and I applied for this role because a few people have said to me, "Oh, you know, you should think about applying it." And remember, I was I'd only been teaching for less than a year, so it was kind of an ambitious move but I didn't see it as ambitious I just thought look you know let, let put my hat into the ring I was given that that role um and suddenly like as you get responsibility like, oh my god like there's more things that I can do so as well as teaching there's other things that I can do there's there's wider impact that I can have and you know when you then see the response from staff and students and parents you think, oh my god like this is this I'm, I'm making a difference I don't know what difference I'm making but I'm making some some difference um, and by the end I was head of uh, you know head of department and I think uh, and this is me this is you know this is youth talking now but I remember I wasn't given a, a permanent role as a, a head of department, so in my sulk, I just said, "Well, I'm going to apply for another school elsewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to go and get that role instead. I'm going, I'm going to leave." Um, so that's what I did, and that's why I brought it up. So <laughs> let, let, let's let's talk about let's talk a bit about promotion, if that's what we want to call it, yeah. because you 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 went to a new school in 2006, um, and that's that's where our paths. Uh, went different ways, although we obviously maintain the friendship. Now, you went to seek a promotion of sorts. And in episode one, when I spoke to Musa, we spoke about the journey to find your final form, right? But, and I'm saying that your final form is that you're currently a head teacher and there may well be another, you're not yeah. in your complete final form, but you're closer to it, right? Yeah. But when you look back now with all your 20 plus years of experience, um, do you look back on things like that? So let's, let's take that move in and of itself. Were you too hasty? Were you trying to um, seek advancement too early or was it the right time? Did you believe that people didn't see, did you see your potential before other people saw it or do you think that you had believed yourself to be better than you were at that stage i i i don't think i did see potential i, you know, I never looked in the mirror and, and, and thought actually you know, i'm i'm this is what i'm worth or this is what i should be doing but i just i do remember even in the first school have um, the fact that having conversations with more senior colleagues who would um might advise you to go on a particular course or or might um, direct you to um, kind of to, to shadow this other colleague and suddenly you think well why are they asking me to do that and you, you, it, it does it, it builds your um, kind of self-esteem because you think oh wow like people recognize or people are seeing something in me that I may not be seeing so I, I, I was grateful in, in that first school for a giving me a, a chance but also during my time there I was afforded a, a, a number of opportunities to um to kind of develop so some one of the early courses I, I i went on i remember i think it was two or three years into my uh, 
profession and given asked to go on a, a course and it was about middle leaders who had the potential to become senior leaders now at that stage mm. i thought i'm just i'm just, re- just barely in the game um yeah but but somebody thinks enough of me to nominate me or the head teacher at the time to to nominate me to to go on this course because she really sees potential in me and that that's quite empowering because I'm, I'm grateful for having that but i often think how many people do have that and i, I speak to lots of people who are probably you know, 10 15 20 years into their professional career and, and when i talk to them about this they say oh you know i've never really had anyone to to mm. champion me and i think that's the that's the word needing people around you to, to champion you and i've been grateful on many occasions to to have people that that do um, and that continue to champion me because you know I, i'm like you know lots of people i might look in the mirror and have real significant downers and self-doubt saying oh, right, do i really know what i'm doing do i you know what am I doing? You know, um, and, and I know there's that phrase imposter syndrome, which I don't always like doing, but I, I think we all, many of us look in the mirror and think, you know, I, I, I don't really think I know everything I should know. Um, mm. And you have these you know, moments of, of doubt, but then I, I kind of pinch myself and think, you know, hold on, get yourself together. You've been in this game. You do know what you're doing. You know, you, you've been through this process enough times you've dealt with, Ten, you know, thousands and thousands of you know young people and built relationships with so many staff and parents. You do know what you're doing. Um, you, you've you've covered a lot of the bases that the job requires. So get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> Your second school was in North London, so you moved from west yeah. to north. Yeah, um, in, in North London, I say in North London, in Islington. Um, and, and that, I, I, you know, one of my, I've had fond memories of every school I've been in, but I spent six years in, in, in this school. Uh, and that, that's left a, a real mark on so much of who I am and, and, and kind of professionally, particularly around how I, you know, deal with, with, with students and parents and stuff, just the, the emotional intelligence required to work in that, in that setting. And also some of the, the, the 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 trauma that you know, many schools suffer, you know, where young people, you know, tragically um, lose their lives. We had uh, a, a young one of our our students was was tragically was stabbed, and that leaves a real lasting impact on 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 that on 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 that school and also everyone in that school. When you and I'm gonna guess you have to kind of jump forward to come back a bit here. You're in your fourth school at the moment, and I mean, again, it's another cliche, which is actually true. No one day at school is the same, but also no schools are the same. Um, and different schools are in different areas for a reason, and each area has its own dynamics. When you look across, I am asking you to jump forward a bit here. When you look across the four different schools, and we'll get to school three and school four later in the piece, what has been your one big takeaway in terms of different school dynamics and the approaches you've got to take in order to, I guess, adapt to, to the dynamics? So I'm in my third one at the moment, and each one 
I haven't been able to go in and be the same person at each. Well, maybe the kind of core is the same, but I've had to tweak certain things for the dynamics of that school. But you're in your fourth and obviously yeah. your head now. What have you? What key learnings have you have you taken from those different changes? I, I think it, that's that's a really good question, and it, it, it's a question I've had with uh, some some leaders at my current school because I know what I want and what needs to happen, but it, it's not the ego. It's not just me. So what I'm trying to do is sh in my current settings to shift um, an organisation so I, I can I can lead people to also buy into what i'm doing so it's not just about what i want to do because i guess in a in a in a when you're in the classroom just with a group of, of of young people it's it's very much you dictate the terms um you know the 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 ebb and flow of what's happening is you you dictate the terms now as a as a head there's a detachment because you're not in every classroom but i know what what i want i, I know the culture that i'm trying to kind of instill in in this in this organization but i'm i'm this one person who is often quite removed from um and i may not speak to every student um, and every staff daily so how am i going to kind of make that happen and and that's about how i mold this and 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 bring this team with me so my my senior leadership team the middle leaders so it's a very different um approach and that that it takes a while to so you know, so when I started the the, the the headship, I was very much in the mindset, you know, I'm going to kind of do everything. I'm going to be involved in everything. But actually, you realise that there's no traction in that. That, that, that you can't make the difference there because you're then just trying to spin so many plates. So you then take a step back and think, okay, what is it that I need? Well, I need everyone to be aligned to what I'm saying and you know what I want done. So what's how am I going to do that? Well, actually, I need my immediate team to be aligned with what I'm asking. So you you work on that level, then your 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 team, are obviously, then line managing a team. So it's it's a it's a structured approach to bringing about change in an organisation, um, and also dealing with all the historical baggage that mm. you know any school might have because. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, somebody who's joined an organisation as a head of school, but this school has had, you know, lots of other people that have been in my position. And the first, the first question that people are asking, and no one's going to say it to my face, is, is this person really going to be here past the year? Is this person mm -hmm. really going to be here past the second year? I, we're not sure. So we're, we're going to kind of just give them, you know, six months to settle in because we don't know if this person's even going to be here. Now, you know, one thing that I've always um, kind of prided myself on is I've, I've never gone to an organisation and, you know, my average um, kind of time in the organisation is like five years at least. And mm. that that's that's my, you know, my kind of moral compass and moral purpose. If you're going to go somewhere... Um, to any any school, any job, like make sure you're going in there for the right reason, knowing that you're going to put your heart and soul into it, and to not um, not be there for the short term. Because particularly in schools, um, and, and what what young people need is is a level of stability. So if you yeah. if you've got teachers or, or leaders, head teachers who are in and out after a year, after eighteen months, I I, I don't think that's 
that's fair or right. Now, that's my personal view, and I'm sure there's people listening who will fundamentally disagree, but, but that's, that's my view, and I think um, it, it, it's borne out by my experiences. And th thanks for that. I think um, I definitely agree with that st stability line. Um, similar to you, I think I've done, I think I've done four, nine, and I might be on five or six now. So, so I think we're probably kind of from the same kind of cloth where if you're going, you have to establish yourself to give the young people that that, that, that sense. But of course, that's notwithstanding that you might have made the wrong choice in going somewhere, in which case we then have yeah, to grapple with this. <laughs> God, sorry, go ahead. And then also, if you're if you're looking at uh, pr developing yourself professionally, and you don't feel that the opportunities exist where you are, then the question you want to ask yourself is, you know, do I bide my time or or do I look elsewhere? And I had a lot of conversations with 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 people over the the last you know ten years about, well, you know, I'm not really sure what I should do. Um, you know, sh should I should I stay? Should I go? Um, and yeah, like if 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 you don't if you're not feeling valued valued in an organization i say firstly communicate that don't just you know kind of be um uh, behind closed doors um, having digs and, and 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 moaning if you generally don't feel appreciated or valued kind of make sure you communicate that and i i, I say that to staff a lot because yeah like i might be my own um own little bubble a lot of the time and, and may not always see everything but if I'm not seeing something and you, you, you've got a point that you want to make, then speak to me. And I'd say that to anybody in schools or in organisations. Don't if, if, if there is a problem, communicate that. If you're annoyed about something, communicate that because people can't read your mind. Yeah, 100 percent. And then speaking of communication, then, because, again, we have to be mindful moving because I don't want people to, to listen. We have to chart the 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 jump to headship because we can't get we can't afford for people to hear this and just assume you randomly ended up as a head there's a process yeah and your second school you were there for six years right yeah. and you didn't you didn't progress there and i'm not i'm not saying that to to criticize i'm actually saying that to chart yeah. the journey and when i yeah. say you didn't progress having known you for so long i know that you are somebody that's always looking for a challenge. So six years in one place, not getting a post. Not that you didn't try, because I, obviously I know, and that's what I want you to talk about. Obviously you, yeah. you explored trying to, to get other posts. So let, let's talk about the failure there to, maybe that's the wrong word and correct me if I've got it wrong. Let's talk about the failure to progress and what that meant for you because was it in that school where you realize wait a minute i i want to go into leadership i i don't know if you knew you wanted to be ahead at that point but you must have known i want to go into leadership so how did you deal yeah. with the mental aspect of wait a minute i'm good i know i'm good i i you, you would have taken for a year group led the young people um from what year 70 year 11 or year 80 year 11 yeah, whatever yeah, it might yeah. have been um how did you deal with that difficulty of i'm not getting rated here or not or not rated in the way you wanted to be rated so to speak yeah and i, I with that and I, I was there for six years and as a as a head of year as a middle leader i, I had um it, yeah, absolutely loved the role 
I think it then gets to a stage though after a number of years where um, and many many people listening might think often you, you think actually why can't this be done because you, your sphere of influence is 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 your sphere of influence sometimes you think well actually surely if if when you look at the wider sphere of influence you think well it why, why can't this be done this way or why can't this mm. be done? So you ask loads of questions about why things can't be done differently. And often the, the response is, well, you know, stay in your lane. Like, you know, you need to just <laughs> focus on, on what you're good at. And, and I, I, in, in some respect, yeah, I, I get that. Like you have to focus on the job at hand. And, and sometimes if you start drawing yourself into other lanes, you lose focus on, on, on your lane. But I think, mm. you know, as, as, adults i think you know we can be interested in more than one thing like i can be very good and focused on my job but also um kind of be be interested in other things now i i can read three books at the same time which is what mm. i'm doing at the moment it, it doesn't it, 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 i am able to compartmentalize so it got to a stage where um, the response was often, um, you know, just you know, focus on your job. Oh, you've still got lots of things that you need to learn in your. You're not yet the finished article. That's a that's a common line. You're not yet the finished article. Like, pause. Okay, no. So pause. 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 I have to stop you there. Were you the finished article though, or not finished? Because when are you ever finished? But what I mean is, and again, that's why I'm asking you to do this with your head's hat on now, looking back at yourself. What we talking? We're talking ten years ago now, I guess. Yeah what if if yourself if you're t sorry if you had come to you 10 years ago <laughs> if you see what i mean um, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a head teacher saying listen like what's the deal here would you have said to moomin 10 years ago no nah, you're not ready i no because, because i i i'm 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 in in the position now where that happens where actually um when when there are internal positions that are open and sometimes um you know a, a colleague may not apply and sometimes I think oh yeah how why on earth did that person not think because they do such an amazing job they, they're in their role that they're doing why didn't they apply and then often they'll say oh, I didn't think I was ready and mm. I guess that's why I encourage my my leadership team to make sure you're you're making sure when there are opportunities you let people know and that things it, jobs aren't already sealed because a lot of people are like oh maybe it's not meant for me maybe it's meant for somebody else mm. For, for myself, going back, what, was I the finished article? No, but I was growing into the role. Like I, I felt that I had um, kind of delivered in, in, in the areas. And yes, you can keep doing the same job for, for forever, and, and there could be there's marginal gains, marginal improvements. But I felt that I had more to give. Like I, I, I did feel I had. Um, yeah, there's there's more I had to offer, and. So by the end, um, it was getting to the stage where actually I, I had applied for jobs and a, a number of jobs, and I was applying for leadership roles in in other schools. And mm. initially, I wasn't you know, I, you know wasn't successful. Then I was getting through to the the last two, um, last three, and it was it's quite a competitive field. So I've, I've never and there are some some interviews that I went to and I'd, I'd met other candidates and I thought to myself, oh my god, they 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 just sound amazing like the way what they're talking about seems levels above where i am but on other occasions i thought no no i'm, I'm in the right ballpark like i'm not I'm, I'm i'm in the right same league like i i feel that i have something to offer like i i, I have a place at the table i have something to offer and i think what the 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 the, the nail in the coffin was um i've been to a few interviews and i remember 
having a conversation with a with one of the the senior leaders about you know career aspirations and they said oh you know i know that you're you're ready to apply to um uh, to be an assistant head and know you're you're ambitious for that and it was less ambition than than just actually feeling ready and wanting to make a bigger difference and th- their response was um but you do know there's there's lots of other people in front of you in the queue and it like it, Wait, sorry it, was this within your was this an internal you like internal yeah process? yeah so it's internal right, sorry, role yeah. where there's some internal yeah. roles have gone and you know I, I wanted to apply but i guess i was kind of talked out of applying or so actually you know there are other people in front of you in the queue and i thought hold on a minute like clearly i'm getting zero ratings <laughs> so, <laughs> um and I, and I thought okay I'd, maybe and I, and I i kind of go back to kind of moral purpose and how i've been raised i thought actually my mum's always said to me you know if you're if lots of people in the queue like you're not the back of the queue you you, you all have should have an equal um opportunity you know given an equal chance and that's when i made this the, the decision kind of to really think actually i need to find a school that is is going to to value me and is is gonna um bring the best out of me because I, I always also feel that there is a time element whereby you've gone as far as you can um and yeah i, I really love the school but i thought actually this is it's now time for me to to now make that next step um and you know thankfully i i did apply um and, and the, the the school that i applied for um into my you know fifth year um i, I was successful at um, and that was that was a real. It felt really good. It felt yeah, wow, like somebody sees something in me enough mm. to appoint me as a as a senior leader in a school. Like this is this is amazing. Like I've never done this job before, and they believe that I have something to offer. So I'm gonna just go off a bit of a tangent here, but you'll see why. I went for. What job was this? I can't even remember when. Oh, actually, I know. Sorry. So when I, just before I joined my current school, um, I went to go and look, and I'm, I'm not going to call the name of the school. <laughs> I went to go and look at a school. It was in it was in North London, though. I went to go and look at a school. I think it was, oh, it was like a new school. It was about to be open or a door. Maybe it was like one year in or maybe two years in. And... Um, I did that thing where you you ring up the school and you say, oh, can I go on? Like they did one of their like come and have a look around type days. Yeah. So I went and, went and had a look around, submitted my CV. And it would have been for, I don't even know what the role was. But anyways, I submitted my CV. Didn't hear back from them. Now, the only reason I'm bringing that up to you is that was the first time ever in my professional career that had ever happened to me. Up until then in my career, anything that I'd ever applied for I'd I'd like got an interview and generally speaking expected to get the job. And that's not me saying, oh, I'm super good at my job. I'm yeah. just saying that I'd never really come across not getting something that I was interested in getting. Yeah. So yeah. for you, when, and I guess we should really touch on that when you start trying to go for headships, but when you face that the first time or when you're trying to leave now into eventually what becomes your third school, so maybe even internally, how did you process that because when i when i didn't hear back from that school i'm talking about there was a brief period in which i thought oh 
maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. <laughs> um, I, see, I I, I, I'm, probably, I'm probably the, 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 on the opposite scale where I've had so many uh, rejections at times. And I, one colleague uh, actually said to me, she goes, oh, I wish I could be more like you. you. You've got like no shame. Like you keep getting rejected <laughs> and you keep going back for more. Um, <laughs> and I guess because I, and, and it's not that I don't value myself, but I, I, in my head, I, I'm, I, I'm quite disciplined like that. Like I didn't get it. It's just, you know, you know dust your, yourself off and, and get back up get back up and mm. i'm not going to say to you that it, it, it isn't demoralizing um, and particularly um applying for for headships and especially when you get to the last two um yeah. on a number of occasions and it goes to the internal candidate and you know the feedback you get is is really amazing and you think oh if i was that amazing why didn't you give me the job um mm. um and you, you try and rationalize it you know as best you can um you know what um, what's not for you won't go by you. You know, you, you think that there is a right job, and it's a two-way process. I think often these things land um, at right time, and maybe I'm, I'm trying to um, kind of again romanticise the, uh, the the process. But you know, I feel actually where I am now that something it, it's it's just the right school for me. I absolutely mm. love being there and you know when i did start it was it was really strange you know i thought am i am i am i really going to enjoy myself working here but i absolutely love it and i thought i, I look back and think you know if if i was successful in another in, in, in one of those other applications then i wouldn't have ended up where i am so i think mm -hmm. the, the line in a nutshell everything happens for a reason but that's how i rationalize it um, i think you know, if i wanted to dig deeper i think that there's probably lots of other things you know my face didn't fit in many occasions um on lots of occasions my face face didn't fit and even now i still I, i'm sure there's there's a still the struggle um where my face doesn't fit and and when i'm in certain rooms people will still say oh i didn't know you were the head. oh are you the head teacher oh i didn't know um and so when i when i introduce myself to people who may not know who i am and one of my colleagues might say, "Oh, this is Moomin. He's the head teacher." Oh, you're very. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think you were the head. Um, and I think, well, in my head, I'm thinking, well, what, what, what is it about me that you don't think? Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what, what, what is the image? What's the image you had here in your head that uh, would allow you to make that comment? Because that's a comment you've got to make with chest at the same time as well, you know, because technically. Anyways, let me not let me not let, let me let me maybe not explore that line of that line of <laughs> argument because I just don't think you'd say that to everyone. No, you, you wouldn't. You, you see what I mean? No, and and I think uh, you know being um, successful in 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 the, the application to, um, to to Stockwood, I remember it very very kind of vividly. I remember the um, the interview process, the two days, and I think before I'd gone there, I, I was pretty much near to saying do you know what maybe this isn't really for me and, and one of my you know close mentors said to me that maybe you just need to take a sidestep because clearly it's not working uh, and then when this um job came up this the same mentor said look this is an amazing school like real potential i think it's right up your street you should go in and, and, and take a look so i applied and you, you, know, you go into an organization that just feels right like everything feels right um, mm. And I remember leaving, thinking, you know, even if I don't get this, 
I've so loved coming in and the experience. Um, and I was so relaxed as well. You know, I, I was talking to, to, to this one kind of quite a senior colleague in there, but I didn't know they were a senior colleague, but because they were, you know, at the time they were dishing out tea and coffee and I, I you know I assumed they were someone from reception I was just laughing and joking with them and then afterwards the next day when I'm given the final interview this same colleague is opposite my table and I was like oh my god I must have hope I didn't say anything really <laughs> stupid yesterday but one of the feedback was actually the fact that you didn't treat people differently like irrespective of whether it was um you know someone in reception or a senior lead or like whoever it was you weren't treating people differently like you treated everyone the same and that's important that's the value that's important you know in our organization um and then then being offered the job it was really kind of overwhelming that someone believed that we're going to give you the keys to the kingdom it's like actually we're going to give you the chair it's like wow mm. like it, it, it's a massive um honor it's it's humbling um and then there's a massive story once once i start the school and I remember the first and I say this quite often the first day this um, girl year nine girl who's just actually left finished her GCSE she'll get results um, a week after next, next. Week. she came up yeah. to me in um, in the corridor and said sir sir um, really proud of you sir and I was like again I'm looking around who is she talking to she goes you made it like you're one of us you've made it I was like, oh my god, like that that burden is heavy because you've got this girl, this um Bangladeshi girl, and she knew because whenever I introduced myself, I'm um maybe 20 years ago I wouldn't I wouldn't have been avert about who I was, where I am, mm. like I eat with my hands. I didn't care. Like the reason my hands are sometimes yellow is because I eat with my hands and we use turmeric in our food and it's curry stains. Yeah. And and what? Like I'm not that's that's me. Whereas 20 years ago I would have um, you know that, that code switching I would have tried to fit in more whereas now mm. actually no I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly where I'm from I'm going to tell you that you know my, my son is dual heritage like you know his his dad's um you know family from Bangladesh his mum's side of family from um, Jamaica and that's something to celebrate not to hide you know who we mm. are what we are the languages we speak the foods we eat um and I, I feel, you know, it's a real privilege to be where I am. And I, I will say, I, I overwhelmingly, I know it's a hard gig, but I'm very grateful for a lot of the support, the staff, the students and the community have given me. So it's not like I've not been set up to fail. And it is a, it's a really tough gig. There's a lot of work that we've still got to do. But I do feel that people are like, we, we want we want him to do well like we're going to work mm, mm. we're going to support him to do well so I, ha I haven't felt that people are are there to take shots at me um and maybe that's something i did think would happen i think you know if you're if you're sitting in that chair people are going to be you know targeting you and I've, I've not felt that i felt that people are actually you know trying their best to make sure that we 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 do what we plan to do and do what we say we're going to do now you've touched on a lot of things there, and I, I've I've put some notes down to make sure I return to come back to some of those points because you just said community there, and I want to come back to that idea of community and particularly parents later. But before I come back again, sorry, before I get there, I think just to join the dots up for people because some people might be again, people might be listening, going, "So hold on a minute, how did he even end up as a head?" When you get to your third school, you go from assistant head to deputy head. So 
assistant head to deputy head to associate head teacher. So let's just extrapolate in those three moves. But I don't want you to break down each one. The question I'm going to ask you on that is, um, what did those three roles teach you about effective leadership? Because effectively, that third school was where you learned your leadership straps, so, so to speak. So as much as you're ahead now, yeah. and of course you've done MPQH and this, that, and other, you've got masters, etc., and you've always been a lifelong learner, but your practical experience came in came in that third school. So, and of, uh, I mean, we've spoken about how the different environments. I'm not saying okay. So what you learned there is precisely what you've taken to 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 to, um, yeah. to Stockwood. But what I am saying is, what did you learn in that third school about you yourself as a leader? Because that's where the majority of your learning would have come. Yeah, I, I, I've always been very uh, roles in school, been very. I hate the 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 business and client facing. I've, I've been very someone who's been very much at the front face. So whether it's kind of interviewing people, whether it's you know safeguarding um, curriculum, I've always been working with people and meeting with people rather than being hidden in an office away. Um, and the teams I, I've, I've led quite a variety of teams, and I think over that time um, there isn't a course that kind of teaches you emotional intelligence or, or, or mm. kind of you know communication so what you do is you rely on your learning as you're you're going along but also you're listening to kind of feedback all the time and I think if you're open to if I give you an example when I first um, kind of started as a, an assistant head one of the feedbacks may have been you know I, I'm not someone who is kind of overly emotional I can be quite detached and mm it's difficult for people to kind of engage or, or trust you if you're if, if you're presenting yourself as someone who's quite detached and very kind of business-like whereas actually I don't want to be that person I, I want I want people to be able to be open and transparent with me if there's a problem I want people to have the confidence to come and tell me to say look this this isn't working or this is working and in order to do that I need to build those effective you know kind of relationships which does involve you know, taking an interest in people. You know, often people say, I'm not here to to, to make friends. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you're in an organisation to make friends, but actually to make people feel valued um, and to build um, trust in an organisation, you, you do need to take an interest in everybody in that organisation. Um, I don't know how you, you kind of embed um, those values and virtues unless you're taking a common interest in those people that are coming into your workplace on a regular basis to give you know to spend seven eight hours in this organization and you want to make sure that they're at the the, the peak of of, of, of of well the peak of what they do because then that way they will give the best to the young people so if you're happy and secure in your job then you will give your best in that job now how do you make sure people are happy and secure well actually one of the steps is to find out how people are doing now and and i'll explain can give you one example i used to moan a lot about people constantly knocking on my door so i i i sometimes uh, you know you know students have left at 3:30 and from 3:30 to 5 i'd have like just every 10 
minutes somebody have you got a moment have you got a moment have you got a moment and I was like well no I haven't got a moment I've got work to do and um, <laughs> I was complaining to my the, the the vice chair of governors who who was an amazing mentor and and support for me for a long time and I said to her like you know you know this is the problem like people keep knocking my door and I can't get anything done and she's like moving when you stop when you stop seeing them as interruptions and you start acknowledging them as being your job and part of your role then things will change and that shift really helped because then when people did knock on my door I didn't see it as an intrusion and I thought to myself you know what? if it takes me three minutes to help regulate and listen to someone then mm. that person is secure in their role um, and can leave having you know in a in a in a better state in a regulated state um, and that's what I want in this organization I want everyone to be given their best but you can't give your best if if if, if you're not settled so um that 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 so part of it was shifting my my mindset on how I saw supposed intrusions. They're not intrusions. That that's part of my role. Part of my role as a mm. leader is is to listen. Uh, you've just given me some key advice there because as you <laughs> as you were describing the intrusion thing, all I was thinking. <laughs> I was just picturing myself in my office. Um, so if, if nobody else has taken any learnings from this, I just took a learning. <laughs> I just took a key learning from that about how to better interact um, with people. I think I think it's actually far more important a point than people might realize about the sim. It's, and the thing is moving. It's a simple thing, but it's, it's it's not easily acquired, so to speak, to just the art of valuing the art of valuing people and what they've got. To, no, and and, and things that I always say, think th th there are little, you know, there's little kind of things that I'd I'd always say, like you know, really good ideas. And when you um, actually make a, a conscious decision and a conscious effort to thank people, not just to thank them, oh, they thank you, just to be real specific about things that people have done. And I don't do this anywhere near enough. Um, but when I do it, it seems to make a real difference because people you know, will comment is if I write a, a, a card, it's a very specific card about, you know, when and it's not done all the time. And I think that's that also um, makes a difference when you're not just doing it because it's part of your job. You're doing it because you genuinely want to show appreciation for what someone has done. Now, you know, the ultimate appreciation would be a, a bonus or a pay rise. Now, we're, unfortunately, the education game isn't yeah. isn't that's not going to happen. But how are we acknowledging and um, kind of celebrating and, and, and thanking those people around us? And I know that when I go back in um, in September, one of the, the, the first uh, things I'm going to say to staff is, you know what, yeah, thank you. Like the fact is you're all here. Like this is a mm. tough gig. A lot of people leave. You know, a lot of people leave the profession after three years, after five years, but you're all in the game and you continue to come to work in a school, which is, you know, challenging, um, has its challenges, but you still rock up. And for that, I thank you. Yeah, the 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 simple art of the word "thank you" um, is oft is oft forgotten. Um, listen, we're going to try and slowly uh, bring this to a close. But before before we get there, um, when I reached out to you 
one of the kind of taglines that I had about um, the one with the head teacher and in, like speaking to you about uh, your journey is once you are then a head, I, I mean, I, I have no aspiration to be one. I, I've, I've, <laughs> um, but once you are then a head, <laughs> it looks lonely up at the top, Moomin. And I'm thinking about all the different heads that I've worked under. Yeah. Some fantastic, some questionable. Um, and the one kind of thing that has always struck me is it must be lonely. At, at the top and I, but that doesn't have to be a negative that doesn't have to be a negative connotation to that per se but just i can't fathom how you you go in every day knowing that the whole school hinges on decisions that you make and i know you spoke about a team and you're right of course you've got a, i mean i'm on a leadership team so i get what you, of course i get it um so i know you spoke about a team but how do how does but obviously using your own you're using yourself as uh the reference point here how do you switch off man like when you have that huge burden and and of course there'll be people listening to this going oh well you should think about the ceo of working for uh i don't know um barclays bank i don't know some so some i'm sure there'll be somebody saying oh well it's no different to whatever but because of the 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 specific dynamic we have, we work with young people. I'm not saying that makes our jobs 10 times harder than any other job, but it does mean that we have a specific set of pressures on our shoulders that other jobs don't have. Um, I've I've just always been intrigued and I don't think you and I have ever properly spoken about it. So this is the first time you and I have this particular question broken down. How do you, how do you, I, How you before, I took, before I took the role, people often say, you know, it's, 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 it's lonely. And then the other flip side of it is actually the, uh, things are only ever lonely if you allow yourself to be alone. So, you know, if you want, okay. you, 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 you talk to people. But I, I, I get that. I get that. And it's very it can be very isolating and feel very lonely. And the point you made, you're right. Like there are some decisions because everyone is looking to you to make the call but then the challenge is um sometimes it isn't a binary call like there, there are there are a lot like during covid you know there, there's things about you know bubbles and and year groups going like you've got to make a decision which has not a, a knock-on impact on lots and lots of people and it's not a just a, a yes or a no um kind of response because whatever you decide is going to affect different people in different ways and that that burden is is massively heavy but on top of that as well as those decisions you're also like you know i've got my um emails daily like there's stacks of things happening all the time so whether it's Mm. there's safeguarding issues there's staffing issues and also as as leaders in organizations we're also dealing with the fact that all of our staff are also going through their own battles there are members of staff that might be you know struggling with um you know the the the, the energy crisis with with food things like that there's, there's families that are, are, are desperately struggling to survive so all of these pressures exist all of the time and and i guess how do i how do i deal with it how do i process it and i i guess my my career has has meant that I've developed a lot of those 
um, those skills, the, 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 the resilience to be able to cope with it. So I, I can maintain um, a sense of, of calm and collectedness, but I'm not going to say that it's easy. It's not. But then that's the game. You know, we, the game is the game. I know that the role of the head involves that. Like I can't mm. deny that actually that I'm the one who sits in the chair and I know what that, the, the person sitting on the chair, um, what pressures involve. And, and, and I think that's in any, any industry where you are, you know, you, when you reach that, that level, there is a level of, of pressure and accountability, but it's not for everyone. Now I, I, I really enjoy it. And yes, it's stressful at times. Um, but that, that's the game I chose. Um, because I feel that, you know, I have something to give and I feel that I'm, I'm good at what, what I do or, and, and I'm improving in, in what I do. So I get the pressure question, but listen, Nash, there are, listen, my mum, my mum single mum in, in you know, 1995, raising four kids without a job, without any money. But I, I, I also can humble myself and realise what real struggle is. I'm in a privileged position. So whatever I say, Whatever I say, I can tell you. I I can count the blessings on on my fingers and and say thank you because I know that of what I also know and have history of what real struggle is. I can tell you, my parents in the seventies that's that's a struggle. So I can I can um, balance those things out by reflecting on you know the privileges I have dealing with. And ultimately, if I wasn't happy, um, if I if I didn't feel I could cope, then there are things that I would need to do. But the game is the game. You, you touched on it briefly, and I do think it would be remiss of us to not make reference to it. Um, <laughs> the game might be the game, but but COVID skewered the game. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, just, to, just to help those who may have thought that that was easy because you saw the newspaper rhetoric at, at some points in COVID people are making it out like we were enjoying our lives <laughs> as teachers <laughs> during COVID. But um, just how much of an ex, ex I don't, why am I even calling it an experience? What was it? Cause you took over your school in COVID. Yeah. So I even, took over in, even more in, of a big change. Took over in January and then three months in COVID and I think from a selfish point of view, from my own kind of leadership journey, it really, um, you know, put a, a real blocker on on the pace of change. Like it's suddenly like the, I lost complete momentum because, you know, I was in, in I was at that time, three months in, I was starting, you know, it's going to be the next phase of, of mine, but suddenly everything changed and it was such like the range of emotions uh, you know, as a school we lost the member of staff you know that that's that's significant we, we lost other members of a, the school community with parents grandparents yeah um and i think it's difficult to to put into words the the intense kind of challenge the 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 pressure that school leaders were under um without the direction that um, you know we would have liked, and I, I completely put my hand up and say, look, nobody it was a, situ a new situation for all of us, but school leaders were also left to make decisions. So, imagine 
you know, being in, in a job where you know, lots of pe- staff are saying, look, you know, we're concerned about this. Parents are saying we're concerned mm. about this. Students are concerned about this. And, you know, the, 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 the DFE are giving this guidance. The local authority are giving this guidance. And you're kind of like, oh, my God, like, I, I, you know, w- what do I do? Because there mm. wasn't a clear, like, this is what you do when it was very much, well, you know, I'm not saying you make it up on the spot, but and this is where you go back to making decisions as leaders about doing what's best for your community, your, you know, whether if you're in a school, your students and your staff, if you're in a business for your um, kind of stakeholders, your staff, you do the best for your organization um and because there is a lot of noise and during that time there's an awful lot of noise and one of the 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 qualities of of leadership is to filter out you know 95 percent of that noise to say actually this is what i'm going to do and why because if you listen to the 90 percent of the noise i can tell you you, the, you that that it's just your your whole your mind is a ball of chaos and nothing gets done yeah but that that's on a yeah. regular basis where the the job is about filtering what isn't important or what isn't relevant because there's so much that's thrown at you i think the last stakeholders who we've not made kind of any reference point to um and you made you made mention of the government there during covid and you're completely 100 percent right they 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 really didn't i don't want to say they didn't help but um when we needed clarity during that period it was often sorely lacking um but the the one set of stakeholders we've not mentioned and i guess how uh, their impact on your journey as well would be um parents um and yeah. the reason why i say parents is because i'm very mindful that everybody not every, nearly everybody who listens to this is probably going to be a parent in some capacity now, whether they're a, a parent and a, a teacher um, or whether they're just a, a parent who's listening to this. And the reason why I bring parents up, Moomin, is because I think possibly the easiest part of my journey in teaching has actually been the young people. That's all. I've always said that they're the, they're the easiest to control um in in the in the context of education in that we kind of know that well you're supposed to be here you're supposed to be doing this and although every young person's got their own story there's rough guidelines that that they have to follow um for parents and this is no way me i'm not trying to attempt to be digging out parents at all my point is that parents hear a lot about schools in the media um and therefore that can impact on how some parents might approach a school um, in terms of whether they're happy or unhappy with what we're doing as a school. And I just wonder, I don't even know where you want to take this. I just wonder how that has impacted your journey. Probably more so now that you're ahead, but your journey to headship in general as well. And if you want to, you might want to throw in, you you are a parent <laughs> so, yeah. so it's not like you are it's not like i can detach you from this question because you yourself are a parent and as you were going up through the game you were a parent of a young person dedicating yeah. a lot of time to I, your own journey whilst having a young person to look after at home so t- just talk me through all that I, if you can so yeah th- this is where i probably go a little bit off script but i'll i'll i'll, I'll Do go your off thing. script um so 
I know that you know my, my son is, is going to turn 18. I know that during a school time and school life, there was no way at any stage of the game that I was going to be disrespected as a parent. So if there was an issue, and thankfully there haven't been, if I raised an issue, I know to use a, you know, I'm going to talk like I'm, I'm 14 again. Like there's no way that a school is going to mug me off um, about mm. anything if I raise the concern because, you know, guess what? I know the system. I, you know, I, I know yeah. how to read and write. Like don't, don't treat me like I'm an idiot. Now, and I, I think back to when my when I was in school, and it wasn't a case that the 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 school would overtly ex, um, disrespect my mum, but the, the fact that she didn't speak English, so in a way, there was no real need to make such an effort because you know she can't speak English um, and she can't really read and write with her son. So you kind of um, the way you treat those those parents is is, is different. And, and it, I, I may not be wording it properly, but some of you, some listeners will probably hopefully understand it's it, it's how schools treat all parents and do all schools treat all parents equitably and fairly. Mm. Now, I'm very clear about, you know, one thing I cannot stand is is disrespect to parents. And sometimes, you know, if I hear things like, well, you know, they, they don't speak very good English. I was like, well, you, what else are you going to do then? well you know when we this is the challenge well what are you going to do so my my response is always well what are you going to do differently and I, because i want to make sure that every parent is is treated with the same level of kind of respect and courtesy and it's not because uh, we don't treat different people different parents differently and i know um we have lots of parents that guess what don't speak a word of english um and i have in uh, at the front gates and have parents come to me and my my spoken silhouette isn't great. I, you know, I say that out loud. I say that to parents, but I can understand it perfectly. So the parents will say to me, "Oh, yeah, this is the situation. Can you help me?" And I thought to myself, "This child's in year nine. They've been in school for this many years. Now, if, if I wasn't there at the front gate, who would they speak to? Mm, and if they did, mm. if they did go and speak to somebody else, what would the response be?" And my job is to make sure that the response that I give is the same response that every other member of staff in that school will give, is to make sure mm. they listen, they value, and they respond rather than dismiss. And, and you know, and, and thankfully, that isn't what happens, but that, that is a bugbear of mine. But you know, we need, especially, you know, I know that I've always valued and worked in schools where that local community is is so important. Um, and kind of one example that I give, we had um, during the most recent um, Eid um, a few months back, um, a parent came to me at the front gates and, and you know, said, oh, you know, so is it possible that we could um, host the prayer on the Saturday? And I was like, yeah, of course, like, it'd be great if you want to. Um, I thought to myself, well, he's, he's come and asked me. But there's loads of other people. So if I wasn't there, he wouldn't have asked because he wouldn't have felt comfortable to come to someone to ask. Anyway, um, they hold the 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 the, um, the Eid prayer at school. We had about 250 local uh, kind of mums and dads and residents who turned up for an hour to pray in our in our playground. And I was like really humbled and thought, actually, please don't tell me that communities don't want to be involved and, and these parents don't care or um you know there isn't the buy-in there is but we've got work to do as as schools 
to make sure we 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 work effectively with parents and i would say overwhelmingly most parents are fantastic are, are very supportive but sometimes there is a, a communication breakdown but it, it shouldn't be a blame game it, it, you know if there's a communication breakdown let's get it fixed fantastic answer and um i always i've, I've always said that i think when dealing with parents as, as stakeholders in the school i my advice to staff has always been let them speak now that 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 doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily agree with everything your parent says but first and foremost let them speak so they at least feel that you heard what they had to say throughout my time one of the phrases i heard well yeah the parents really aggressive they came across it. Well, they were speaking a language you don't understand. Um, they were, they, their voice was probably raised for a host of reasons, but actually, I, I'd spoken. They weren't being aggressive. You know, you're, the way what you perceived is aggression, and what you've communicated to me is aggression. But actually, the reality of it is, you were speaking to a parent who you didn't understand, and no doubt both parties were frustrated. And the parents' response has also been actually. I didn't feel the school was listening. And, and guess what? They were right, because the person who was listening to them couldn't understand the word they were saying. So I think there's work on both sides, and it's not a them and us. I always say, like, we parents um, and, and schools need to work together to raise the – it takes a village to raise a child. Um, and so I, I think I'd, I'd, I wouldn't I – would, I would say to every um, you know, school leader, do not dismiss or, or ignore – the community you serve, um, because that, that's what we're here to do. Moving this, then, I'm looking. Yeah. At, sorry, go on. And I was going to say, and even if you know, often the, the my mum may not have sp spoken a word of English, may not have been educated, but guess what? She wanted all her children to do really well at school. So don't um, dismiss the fact that just because somebody may not speak the language and kind of may not read to their child um, every, every every night, um, that they don't want the very very best for their children. That they don't have real hopes and aspirations for their kids to do well in school, to you know, go to university, to have careers. Do not make those assumptions. I, I, I mean, I'm not shocked. I knew you'd be dropping some gems when, when, when I said that we were going to record this. But as ever, I also said to you before I press record, Moomin, this is going to go longer than we... <laughs> this is going to go longer than it's supposed to go. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we know each other. So, of course, it's going to go longer than it's supposed to go. And for obviously, for those listening to, to this particular episode, um, we could easily do a part two here because there's so much we haven't even touched on. But I guess as the best way to try to to bring this to, a, to some kind of natural close, Moomin, like I say, we've, we've known each other now 18 years, I think it is. And um, <laughs> from where we both were back in 2004 to, <laughs> yeah. to, where, to where you are now, I, I, I said earlier in the piece that you may not be in your final form in education, but you're much closer to, the, to that particular form that you're trying to reach. And um, having ascended to the job of uh, being a, a head teacher, principal of a school three years ago, I guess now I say to you, for someone who listens to this, and they don't necessarily even have to be working in education, because at the end of the day, your, your, your journey can resonate for anybody who's on a particular journey to leadership in another 
particular profession or whatever it might be. If you can, then it's hard. But if you can, what's the what's the kind of key takeaways you'd want people to 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 have? If you want to separate it for people who are in education for people who aren't in education, but if you think there's actually a general takeaway you'd want people to have from your journey, what how would you summate it? I think for, for my journey, there's there's lots of persons. I'm not saying that this is it's the same for, for everyone, but I think one of the the underlying um, kind of foundations of, of who I am is 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 to do my upbringing. It's to do with my yeah you know, my my mum, the time I spent with my granddad. So the values that um, I try and live, and there's a saying, you know, values are lived, not laminated. Um, in many organisations, you see these things like in, in nice displays, um, you know, put on glass on walls. But actually, values aren't words on a on a on a screen or a piece of paper. They're they're, they're lived. And I'd say the, the most one of the most important drivers of of what I do, what many of us do, is is how everyone treats each other on a day to day basis. How how we treat people um, on our day to day basis, whether it's through our daily interactions, whether it's via social media, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on a you know um, a podcast. It's 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 how we treat each other um, and it's important that we we continue as often as we can to model those values in the act in our in our in our everyday actions um and that's one thing it's and it's it's maybe it's it's might seem kind of oh yeah how do you do that and it's it's hard to do but if you just remind yourself at all times about you know when you're taking any action if you're saying anything um you know are you are you treating people um in, in, in the right way. And you know, I haven't used words like um, compassion, honesty, decency, but those, those values fundamentally are, are what drives me as, a, a, as an individual um, and, and, and drives me in the role that I have as a head of school because those, those values are key, key to what I do and key to how I operate. And I, I hope to kind of, you know, I share that with staff. I share that with students. And they're not unique to me. I think the values I talk about aren't unique to me, aren't unique to a, a culture, a religion, but they're, they're kind of universal values about, you know, treating each other the right way. Most definitely, man. And I'm sure, and I think that's something that, that can resonate, that can resonate with, um, with everyone and um i said there was no more questions but i just feel like i should ask you this before i before i close in so how do you check yourself then because i hear you i hear you about the values and i i hear you saying people need to find what's their moral driver yes. so to speak to help guide them on their journey but how do you check yourself when you've lost your compass oh. or you yeah, feel I, like I... you did something that do you get where I'm coming from? So yeah, no, I listen. I, I get it, and and I I'm I'm grateful that I have people around me, like a, a network of 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 people around me who are brutally honest. So even you know there'll be you know, at least one person who listens to this, a, a friend of mine who will will send me a message saying, "I can't believe you 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 didn't say this. I can't believe like so people constantly and and the decisions I make." I don't make and say to everybody, do you know what, put up or shut 
up if, if someone's got something to say they will say it. and if i've made a mistake if i've made an error I, you know I, I hope to be honest and upfront enough to put my hand up and say yeah look i've made the wrong call but you need to have people around you and I, the word i'd use is you know cognitive diversity to so make sure you've got people around you that aren't just singing the same song that you're singing that people around you can see your blind sides um you know we, we, our eyes are at the front of our heads so we're looking forward but I need someone to be able to tell me what I'm missing at, at the back. And that's about surrounding yourself with people that are going to be um, honest, um, open, challenge, supportive. Um, and it's to find those people because those are the people that help push you forward. This this game is never done on, on the side. I didn't get to where I was because there's anything special about me. That There isn't anything special about me. What I've had is amazing people around me that have supported pushed prodded probed um to to help get the best out of me and i i continue on that journey um and i, I continue to learn um and i continue to grow into the role that that i'm doing and i, I I'm, I'm sure that will continue for a long long time yet if nobody's uh watched the film jerry Maguire, people after you've listened to this episode with moomin i want you all to go and watch jeremy jerry Maguire. And there is a scene in Jerry, Jerry Maguire where Cuban Gooding Jr. Uh, is being interviewed after he secured his multi-million dollar deal in the NFL. And he turns to Jerry Maguire, who's his agent, and he says to Jerry, Jerry Maguire, you're my ambassador of Quan. And um, I think I might, do you know what, Moomin? I might have said that in your leaving speech, you know, <laughs> when we, you left your first school or something like that. But um, the reason why I say that is because what Moomin just said there... <laughs> <laughs> what 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 Moomin just said there um effectively references that kind of symbolism though that if you can surround yourself with the right village of people no matter what journey you're on you're much more likely to make um the correct decisions go, going forward listen Moomin I'm gonna I'm, I'm I am gonna wrap but any final words from you before I close? No, listen, well, more, more to you. Like, I, I'm absolutely in awe of the fact that, you know, we, we started teaching early on and the fact that what you're doing now, following your passion, because I always hear people say, well, what, what, what else can I do? Like, you know, I'm a teacher and, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm falling out of love with the game. And I'm like, this is an example. You're someone who you've always been interested in in media and reporting and football like and you're following that your passion and I, I spoke to to my son about it Noah and I said oh you know this is what um Mash is doing he's oh wow but I thought Mash was teaching I go yeah but Mash is still teaching and he loves teaching but he's got another passion so I think it's a great role model particularly you know, even for my son like for, for my son to see someone who has uh started doing one thing but is doing something that they're passionate about and there's there's uh, following your passion and, and there's a career out of it. So I think, you know, it's great what you're doing. Cheers, man. M much appreciated. And what, what a way to end the episode, people. But thank you, Moomin. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your journey and uh, your description of that particular journey. Everyone listening to The Game is the Game. That's been episode two. Like I say, we now have a, a Twitter page so you can find the podcast at game is game pod um and do 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 follow do check us out but for now it's goodbye from me thank you 
and good night. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mashstpaddy. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at mashstpaddy. And if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular, you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com.